But, uh, no, like, Guel was incredibly meaningful to me. I mean, this last, like, year and a half has been, like, some of the most, like, rewarding work I've ever gotten to do. Like, within the last year and a half, I got to do Coach from Gunbuster. Absolute classic, like... Yeah, like, that getting redubbed is huge, and, like, seeing the amount of young talent on the Gunbuster dub is amazing, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely, and it was so, it was so, like, rewarding, because, like, I... I, I loved doing that um, it, because Evangelion meant so much to me. Evangelion kind of got me through my teenage years, and like knowing Anno also suffered with depression was like so meaningful to me. Um, and getting to do that was just, it was incredible stuff. Uh, like Digimon, which I got to announce, where I, I get to stand in, like, you know, very sadly uh, for the actors for like Greymon, Metal Greymon, uh, Anjumon, and Seraphimon. Like, that's incredible stuff. Um, Guel, obviously, uh, the, the, my, Hikage Shinomori and My Hero Academia. I get to be in like My Hero Academia. I'm, I'm very, I'm very lucky. I'm very, uh, dare I say, blessed uh, by, by the amount of opportunities I've gotten to play. Uh, but I do want to emphasize that Guel holds a very special place in my heart. Uh, very, very close to me. Oh, I wanna be a machine. Yes, I wanna be. And hello everyone, what is going on? This is the recap from Mercury, but there has not been an episode in months, right Jeff? Not to my knowledge. What what, what could we possibly be doing? There's been nothing. I mean, and we really missed the window on the controversy. So, um, we, we can't be talking about that. Uh, that this is just completely wild. Anyway, uh, what we're actually talking about is uh, the fact that we're sponsored by Right RightStuff.com. Link in the description. In particular, I want to mention the high-grade Witch for Mercury 1144th scale Guel's Delanza. De you know why? Because it comes in a lovely shade of purple. Fuchsia? Magenta? What do you think that is? Yeah, uh, I mean, it could be that. It could also be that it comes with, you know, it, it comes with your, your your javelin and your sword and your gun and your feather piece. And you know what it is? It's in stock. It is in stock at rightstuff.com. The link is in the description. If you use that link to buy it from us, I literally get dozens of cents. Dozens. But what is really going on is that we maybe have a special guest this week. Hey, we've got Brad, Bradley Gareth, the voice in the dub of Juan Ghoul Jedherk and beloved new character Bob. How's it going, Brad? It's going good, thank you. How about yourself? Oh, it's doing great. Scott, how did you not name this episode Bob the Builder? The opportunity was right there. What About Bob is a classic comedy no one remembers starring Bill Murray and that other guy who is also very funny. <laughs> the other funny guy. The, the other funny guy from the, the 80s. It's about a dysfunctional relationship between a therapist and Bill Murray. And it, I, I swear it's a good movie. I swear. I swear it's memorable. <laughs> I promise you. A lot of crossover between Bill Murray fans and Gundam fans, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just, I'm just saying, Bob the Builder was right there. <laughs> I suppose. All right. So uh, we we are fortunate enough to be joined by Brad uh, tonight, and just uh, let's let's get off by throwing over to you a little bit about your background in voiceover. Sure thing. Uh, my name is Bradley Gareth. I've been in voiceover for about. Um, 12 years. Let's say 12 years. Uh, I started uh, acting when I was a little kid. I did like theater. I did um, like uh, school theater. I did community theater. I did high school musicals. Uh, I found out about voice acting when I was about 16. And I was like, that seems really cool. I want to do that. Um, So I uh, got my parents to buy me a really crappy headset mic. And I auditioned for like a Pokemon fan project. And they were like, hey, this project probably isn't going to come out, which it didn't. Uh, You should go audition at this other place called the Voice Acting Alliance. And I went over there. Uh, It was great. It sucked. It was it was it was a perfect uh, it was was a dam of a den of scum and villainy. And uh, I love it. It's uh, it's gone now. Uh, But through that, I met other voice actors. I got cast in my first game. 
Uh, first rule game was uh, Seduce Me the Otome, uh, which is not pornographic, despite the name. Uh, and uh, we Important got... to say, important to say, I'm sure that came up with your mom. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we, we were offered money to make it pornographic, and we said no. Um, but uh, we... Uh, from there, I did a bunch of indie games uh, all throughout the rest of the 2010s, um, did some radio stuff whenever I was in college, and then whenever I graduated from college, the plan was always to move down to Dallas to do anime, to pursue anime, um, for a voiceover, because I love all the other stuff, but anime was, like, the thing that really made me go, yeah, I want to do that, um, and uh, I was going to move down, I came down to visit, uh, and then... We went, oh, yeah, this is great. We're so ready to move down. And that was the last weekend of February 2020. A great time to do anything. Just totally normal time. I had a haircut scheduled that week, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Great, great time to, uh, to uh, make a decision about moving across the country. So we get locked down, and then we find out we can't really move. Um, so then I was like, well... I have all this time. I had this money saved up to move. Uh, and I ended up saving more money to move just because I was like, there's nowhere to go. I, I, I thankfully, my job went remote during that time. My day job, I mean, uh, voice acting was always remote because there was really nothing I could do in Pennsylvania uh, where I was living at the time. So saved up a bunch, took a bunch of classes, uh, managed to get into some very cool projects, including Lackadaisy, uh, which is super cool. Uh, thank you, everyone who donated to that for the $2 million that they gave us. Um, and then, uh, from there, uh, moved down to Texas finally in, uh, about the end of July, 2021, um, started doing a little bit of stuff with sound cadence for anime. My, my one background extra in, uh, Kageki Shoujo who goes, congratulations, or our congrats to you. I forget which version it is now because, uh, my voice was all mixed into like five other people. So you can't even hear it, but, but, um. That was, like, my first anime thing, and that was in, like, uh, August or September of that year. Uh, and then from there, uh, it's been about two years since then, and I've been uh, lucky enough to do a bunch of other anime and games since then. All right. And uh, I know... Covers it. Yeah, so three years of working in anime and games. Are you still a fan of yes. anime? Are you still watching stuff? Do you have something you like right now, or is it just work? Is it is it all work? <laughs> well, I can tell you this. Um, you, you don't do anime because it's a job. At least I don't. <laughs> Excuse me, it's something caught in my throat. Um, anime, as everyone will tell you, anime does not pay enough to justify uh, it being just work. I love anime. I do it because I love it. I, I am passionate about it. I am thankfully getting paid pretty frequently to do it now, but um, I love it. Uh, I, I love it to bits. Um, I just finished the other day uh, Chrono Crusade, which is an old show from like the 2000s. Uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, that baffling ending to that one. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, I, I also just like marathoned in the last couple of days. I marathoned the rest of because I, I watched the first few episodes and I was like, oh, I'll get back to it. Uh, watch the rest of the first season of Demon Slayer and Mook and Train. That was really good. Um, and I mean, I love like all the classics that I used to like. I I have I have a list of like favorite anime. It's got like over 100 on there. Uh, and that's not including movies, which is a whole separate category. So, I mean, I love this. This is this is like my life's calling is to do this. So tell, asking me, do you like anime? I, you'd have to narrow it down a little. <laughs> one of us, one of us, one of us, one of us. Exactly. I, I I mean there it, I mean in my case like semi pro well, pro podcaster there are some shows that I still like from before and there are new things I just can't stand. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Because because it feels like work, and there there's there's one series in particular I didn't listen to for four years because uh, they rejected me as a producer and I'm like, well screw that, oh, guy. I'm not listening to him. <laughs> but that's rough, man. It, I mean that—that's me being petty. The, the show turned out fine. I don't think I could have done better, but it some—some some of it just gets into my head. And I was wondering. Um, so now that you're so you you started working, you really got into anime in earnest in 2021 and into now. Uh, yes. So how's how's that been transitioning from like the work from home, build your own booths phase to more work actually in the studio in Dallas? Is, is that normal? Is it weird? 
Um, it's a little, so it's a little weird. Um, so it's sort of like a, a pattern, right? Um, th- this is, uh, this, this is a very, very inside baseball, but, um, so acting in, in like theater, which is normally where I think most people end up learning to act, you know, you, you have other people on the stage that you can play off of. Uh, you have like a director who's usually telling you what to do when you're in rehearsal. You have an audience that, you know, you can play off of the emotions of to sort of like, you know, gauge, is this joke landing? Is Am I doing this right? You know, that sort of thing. Um, whenever uh i made the transition to in the booth it became very difficult like a lot of my reads were flat because you know uh lines don't have context you don't have the voices uh of other people like playing back to you um now interestingly uh i've actually had two experiences in the booth where i did do like back and forths uh but it was not for anime it was for a marvel move which just came out today um and uh, it was for Lackadaisy, uh, where all the actors in the scene uh, were together in like a in a call uh, in a you know, Discord esque Zoom esque setting. I forget the the proprietary software name. I think it may have been Riverside. Um, and we all just uh, read the script together, and it felt like a real table read of uh, how a musical or a play would be. Um, and that that those experiences were very special. And the reason I bring them up though is that that's. Uh, in those cases, that's like audio drama and that's prelay. Um, the way that most indie games work, uh, which is the majority of my work before anime, you're recording alone. Like you're in the booth completely by yourself, just a lot of the time, a Google Doc, a spreadsheet. Uh, when it's a spreadsheet, it's even harder to tell what the hell's going on. You just have to sort of be like, okay, let me play detective here. All right, I'm mentioning this, so I think my son is angry with me. And like you have to do that sort of thing because you're like, well, I don't, I don't really know. And the director was just like, here, do this within three days. Um, <laughs> oh, I mean, so, uh, I so things have not gotten better since Oblivion when the actors got handed the uh, the the lines in alphabetical order by first word. I guess I, I've never had <laughs> alphabetical. I've gotten sequential at least. That's at least good. I, I have not gotten alphabetical lines. Um, so the progress, I suppose. Uh, no the um so like being in the booth uh just you know by yourself for indie game work uh with occasional direction like occasionally i'd land a game that had direction um lake uh had direction um i'm trying to think uh fantasy strike had direction like uh for the most part there's no director so you don't really have anything to go off of except your own instincts for how to sort of approach the script um, going into the booth and, like, timing up for anime, even though, like, timing up to lip flaps can be tough, uh, it's still easy. It's a, it's a pretty one-to-one transition, because unless you get really stuck in the idea that you have to read it a certain way, which is, like, that sort of improv skills, I would say, uh, you need to be able to hear the director go, no, okay, that was great, but, um, do it more like you're, you know, you're really trying to understand the question here not not like you're angry about the question you're trying to understand like like changing the tactic as long as you have that ability to do that which again does take improv skills it takes listening skills as an actor you have to be able to let go of like whatever version of the scene is in your head um you're good to go i think for me specifically uh it was pretty easy like outside of me feeling like i was gonna puke because i was like Oh God, I'm so nervous. I'm in the booth with all these people I really respect and I can't, you can't like freak out and be like a fanboy uh, in the booth with like directors. Um, and I, I mean, I would, if, if given the opportunity, just for me, uh, for instance, I've, I've done uh, work with uh, Jerry Jewell and Colin Clinkenbeard as directors. I loved, um, I don't know if you guys know it or uh, if any of your listeners remember Case Closed, the Funimation dub of Case Closed. Those two were the leads, and I can't yeah. bring that up in like the booth because I have to be professional. So outside of that feeling of like, oh, I'm working with these people that I really love and respect, and I can't bring it up at all. Like I, uh, I, I, I think it's pretty nice to be able to go, okay, this is what's happening in the scene. I have a director who's telling me, uh, you know, in case I need extra context, what what's going on. Like the the rule I always heard, and that this is from like working as an interviewer, is like, okay. You can be a fan of a band or an author or whoever you're interviewing, but you can't say that till 20 minutes in. Like you can't admit, like if, if you're if you're if you're doing a radio show and you've got I don't know, like Mick like Mick Jagger sits down from you somehow, you can't say, oh yeah, Mick, I really love your work until 20 minutes in, because otherwise he does not believe you. It's just Jimmy Kimmel all over again. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, 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 I can't I, imagine that in a scenario where it's like, oh, this this guy's kind of my boss. Like if, if, if yeah. Mick Jagger was my <laughs> boss, I can't say anything to him ever. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. If I were props to you, because if I were in your position, I could not do that. Like if I got <laughs> to be in the same room with Bon Jovi, like, okay, um, I'm going to listen to what Bon Jovi, I'm going to listen to his instructions and follow. I'd be like, dude, you are so awesome. <laughs> dude, dude. Oh, yeah, I have work to do. Yeah. What, 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 what did Bon Jovi tell me to do again? I lost track. What? Can I have your autograph? Oh, right. Work first. Right. It, no, it's I, on my paycheck. I, right. Right. I said I would make an ass out of myself very quickly, and you didn't. Good job, sir. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I mean, I I think I had the benefit of like cons. I'm really I almost moved down here when I was about 18. Like I'd almost come down here for college. I was going to go to SMU. Um. Which, incidentally, I was going to go for theater, and, like, everywhere rejected me for theater. <laughs> um, but, uh, anyway, uh, I'm glad I didn't come down here for theater, because at the time, uh, I was not, like, emotionally prepared to, like, do voiceover. And what I, what I mean by that is, at the time, like, I remember I, like, met Richard Epgar, and I think it was, like, Anime Boston when I was, like, 19 years old. And I just immediately flipped out. I was like, oh, you made me want to become a voice actor! And he was like, cool. Great. Yeah. I'm so, and like you can't do that you can't do that in a studio you will you will uh get someone talking being like you look you are being very unprofessional you are making people uncomfortable so i'm glad i didn't do that i'm glad i wasn't here for that yeah i mean that's it and so we we've established that you're a fan of anime but like were you a gundam fan going into this dub i feel like i'll be called a fake fan uh if if, if i give my my answer but I'll, I'll give it all the same so i'm gonna say yes with the caveat that i hadn't seen a ton of it i saw g gundam like i love g gundam that was that was my my jam when i was a kid like i i, I wanted to replicate like the vocal power of like mark gatha's shining finger by my whole adult life um He's he's an orthopedic uh, he's he's an orthopedic surgeon now by the way. I know he's a doctor now in like Newfoundland. It's it's nuts. <laughs> well what's what's funny is that the funniest thing about it is that he he still does videos for that for that hospital. But it's like hey, we want to thank all our donors for buying us this fancy MRI machine and all oh, the comments are just like <laughs> talking about Mega Man X and shining fingers. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. Of course, you can't you can't not do that. But yeah, um, <laughs> it's a weird day for their social media team, especially I'm, because I'm sure. he's like sitting there with like an X-ray of a hand that he's about to operate on, and I'm like, you know, I think that hand might be shining red. <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, like I loved like G Gundam. Uh, I watched. Um, like, I, I've dipped my toe into other Gundam things. Like, I saw, like, SD Gundam when I was a kid a, a fair amount. Uh, which, but I can't remember any of it, so I'm not going to claim that one. I watched all of Gundam 00 when I was a teenager. because it, I, And that was sort of like, oh, it's on the Sci-Fi Channel back when the Sci-Fi Channel used to show anime. Um, unless they still do. I, I, I have no idea now. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't so have yeah, all Gun <laughs> yeah, me neither. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, I, I caught all of Gundam 00, and then I watched, uh, at the recommendation of a friend, I watched 08th MS Team. Um, so I, I, I was, like, familiar with Gundam, and, like, more broadly, like, I love mecha uh, right. stuff. Like, my, a couple of my favorite shows were, like, Evangelion and, like, Gurren Lagann, so... Or, oh, Gurren, well, Gurren Lagann, uh, I, I, I'm getting mixed up. Gurren Lagann, I quite like. I, I don't want to claim to be a fake fan of something else. Uh, <laughs> I quite like Gurren Lagann. Uh, my fa one of my favorites is uh, uh, Evangelion and Big O. Which which are like things that I'm like okay I've seen I've seen uh, Gurren Lagann like once I've seen Big O and Evangelion at least like three or four times a piece. In my real job IRL I'm a teacher, and every once in a while I have a, some kids come in with Naruto or Dragon Ball Z stuff or newer animes which I don't recognize. But the point is I'll come up and I'll walk them I'll walk by and I'll give them a uh, Naruto line I'll say, hey hey Shadow Clone Jutsu and they'll look at me like. How do you know that? Like, I'm old, and I'm a nerd. <laughs> also, Naruto started in 1998. Let's think about that's that. Nice, man. That's what well, that's so much of that is Dragon Ball, when they're like, how do you know that? I'm like, I was watching Dragon Ball before you were born, kid. <laughs> Dragon Ball's from the 80s. What are you talking about, kid? Yeah. And, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to... Awesome. 
I actually want to address the audience. There's no such thing as a fake fan. There's just new fans and dishonest fans. You you can be new, and as long as you are like pretending to know stuff, and, like I my least favorite fan, the gatekeeper fan. Yeah, this is my thing. You can't <laughs> have it. Especially with Witch from Mercury, which brought a lot of new people in. I'm like, no, come on in, like enjoy. It's a pretty, it's a party. It's it's weird a lot of the time, but you can you can have, yeah. you can join it. You can join it. It's fun. No, I was saying the Witch from Mercury. I saw a lot of gatekeeping fans. Because Witcher Mercury is, for the most part, a very fun, light, almost a bit of a romantic comedy type show with, you know, Mecca and your occasional death here and there. And for the most part, Gundam is not that. It's usually more of a darker tone, a more, you know, serious tone. G Gundam being the rare exception to that. So when people, I saw people starting like gatekeeping. Gatekeeping is like, no, you can't. This isn't Gundam. This isn't the way it's supposed to go. I'm like, we've had how many series of Gundam? Something different could be nice. Yeah, because my favorite thing. We're coming up on 50 years. We're coming up on 50 years, right? My favorite thing about this show, among most of the Gundam shows I've seen, is every Gundam show has a certain plot point or a certain, okay, this leads to this, and this leads to this, Mm -hmm. and this leads to that. To the point that when I watched Iron Blood Orphans, the previous Gundam series, I could more or less tell what was going to happen before it happened. Okay, this is going to happen eventually. Okay, this is going to happen next. This person is going to die. There's no question about it. Witcher Mercury, when we were recording this podcast, I would make wild predictions of what I thought was going to happen. I was wrong every time, and I like that. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. It, it, it's a show that I think does really good at um, defying your expectations. Because I, I had guesses about how like things would go uh, in the second season, uh, and I was just dead wrong about like half of them. Uh, but you, you know, I, I appreciate that thought about gatekeeping because I, for me personally, I try to be like conscientious um, of uh, you know this being a space that where there's a lot of people that are like really ingrained in it um, as like Gundam fans, and well, I I think that uh, gatekeeping efforts can be bad i just also try to be respectful because i don't want to i don't want to i want to seem like you know someone's gonna come up to me about something and i'm gonna be like well i don't like ask me like i don't know if, I, I feel like i'm gonna be quizzed or something about something that they're really excited about and i don't want to disappoint them so i'm like no no, no. i i want to be definitive about what what i can talk to you about and what i probably can't i mean uh if you if you've ever seen shatner you know people go up to shatner at cons and events and they'll ask him about like certain episodes and he does not know. He does not know episode names. He does not remember character names unless they were in the regular cast. And he he tries to deflect around that and make fun of people for it. But it it, it at a certain point you have to say like you know you're you're an actor and it's it's you know ask me about my performance. Ask me about what I thought I did and you know try to engage on me in that level first before you try to assume I'm a fan with the same amount of fan knowledge. That's fair. It's it's entirely fair. I I uh, I, I do think that's a it's a very charitable reading. I I do strive to at least try to be the type of person that's in this position uh where I I try to be as amicable and cuz I I know Chatner has quite the reputation uh not be like that cuz I I do want to um you know, be be kind, be be as uh, positive as I can about about the things I really love about this. So that, that's at least my that's my perspective. And I, I want to want and and this is maybe a question of a bit of inside baseball about the production because yeah. the 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 dub for this started either like I I think it started pretty late into the releases for the dub started pretty late into season one or even during the hiatus between seasons. So how mm-hmm. early? Did you start work on that? Had you already been watching? Did you have a chance to watch a bunch of episodes and then start recording? Or what What was that scenario for you? So here's what happened. Um, I was not caught up on any Gundams for a while. Uh, I was, you know, we... <laughs> During the time that uh, Witch for Mercury was originally airing in Japan, like, my fiance and I had just gotten a puppy. Like, we were, we were doing a bunch of stuff. I was trying to be busy with work and all this other stuff. I was not keeping up with, like, the new anime of the season. My friend uh, of many, many years was, like, messaging me, being like, yeah, the new uh, Gundam season looks pretty cool. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. And then, you know, uh, they send me, like, Guel memes, and I'm like, ah, yeah, that guy seems funny. 
And in my head, I'm like, oh, we're not getting that. Like, that's not even a not even a possibility that's entered my mind because there's never been a Texas dub of Gundam. So I was just like, ah, oh, yeah, Gundam, yeah, classic Gundam. Uh, and then the audition comes out in like January, and I'm flabbergasted. I'm like, oh, oh, geez, okay. Um, <laughs> I go in and I'm like, okay, uh, I'll uh, I'll check out some episodes to uh, you know uh, get context for uh, these auditions because uh, audition sides are just. Uh, the way that it's handled now, if auditions are handled at all, um, which a little bit of inside baseball, Crunchyroll does not have time to do auditions for every single show that we do because there's like something like 20 a season uh, that we dub um, and holding 20 different shows worth of auditions and then having every director sort through auditions for every character in every show is not feasible. Uh, only really like sort of, I guess, prior priority shows that directors are like this is important that we hold auditions for uh get auditions in this case gundam was one of them um so we get the audition sides for gundam i go through i watch the first few episodes and i'm like well the the gundam sides that we have uh because a lot of the time what happens with this sort of audition process is uh there will only be so many characters available on the audition and um the rest will be sort of cast based on that like Lauda was not on the audition list, if I remember correctly. Lauda uh, was probably cast off of Nazi reading for another character. Um, so what happened was I look at the sides and I'm like, uh, I see on there are Guel, for the males, of course, Guel, Elan, and Shadi. And I'm like, well, I know Shadi. I should not be reading for Shadi. <laughs> um, so I just looked at him and, nope, I'm, got, I'm skipping that guy over. I, I, I pulled out the name uh, chart and I was like, that I'm a very white man and I shouldn't be doing that. So I, uh, I then went over Guel and Alan and, um, I, I went through and I'm like, huh, yeah, Guel seems more in my wheelhouse. Uh, uh, <laughs> on a, on a very, uh, on, to be very light on a personal note, I remember, um, I had gotten cast, uh, which I was shocked about. I, I didn't think that I would, um, <laughs> because like, uh, I was still very new. Like it, it, uh, raised a little bit of buzz that I had gotten cast because I had only been working, like I had done that one bit at Sound Cadence uh, in the end of 2021, did no other anime for the rest of 2021, uh, only got into the Crunchyroll building in May of 2022. So it's like within eight months of me getting in the building, I get like a, a character this big, which is not uh, normal. So I was just like, oh my God, uh, I, I was in shock. Um, uh, and uh, I remember going in and um, I, uh, went in, uh, talked to the director. I was like, yeah, thank you so much for casting me. Thank you so much for casting me. This, uh, you know, this is, this is incredible. Cause I, I didn't anticipate it. And he's like, yeah, you know, you sound great. You sound like a guy that has a lot of dad issues. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh God, <laughs> you're not wrong, but yeah, yeah, no, that's fair enough. Uh, so I was like, yeah, that's, that's it. That informed everything. Uh, I, I went through and I was like, okay, man, I, then I went through and like watched the rest of Gundam for like the context of what I would need to know for like, uh, the rest of which for Mercury. So that, all happened within that stretch of the beginning of January when um, the auditions went out, I got cast, started recording, and uh, we had no idea what was going to happen in season two for that whole stretch of time that we were dubbing season one. I, I just want to be in that room when that was said. It's like, yeah, you, you did really good. You sound like a guy with a lot of dad issues. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and then like, uh, Chris, said, <laughs> and then Chris Sabat voices your dad, just Vegeta yeah. sitting there. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I. It's so funny because I, I, for many, many years, and I, I still probably, you know, I'll, I'll maintain it. Why not? I, I would say he's my favorite voice actor. Chris Savitt's my favorite voice actor, and I'm like, oh, he's also playing my dad. Great, and I kill him. Damn it. <laughs> and and you I mean, this... killed Vegeta, you monster. <laughs> yeah, I killed all of you. God damn it. Uh, you did. You got him. And I mean, this character. I mean. Like, obviously, you, you got to see a fair chunk of season one before you really started dubbing this, from what I understand. But did you yes. imagine the amount of stuff this character would go through in season two? Or did you just sort of see, oh, this this guy's just a jerk who grows up and then, oh, no, he grows up. Were you shocked by that? Um, how, how, what, what work went into making that happen in season two? So uh, from my perspective, like when we finished season one, well, first of all, my... My best guess uh, from the end of season one was I was like, okay, uh, I think either Lauda or Shadik is going to kill me. Like, that was, my, that was my bet at the end of season one. I was like, one of these two characters is probably going to kill me. Um, 
my my thought on I even considered it possible because Gundam I know is brutal uh, and depending on their thought process with characters uh, I might just have something horrible happen to me I I thought like non-zero chance I just die off screen <laughs> just just I'm, I'm just dead it, like you see you see like the the, just the just end result to of death the... in the intervening bit yeah no, yeah I I thought like yeah I just it, it may like if season two started really brutally like if they ended like right after like so that it, like slaps that guy and kills him I was like yeah we just cut to like 20 minutes later and like I've just I've just or like a day later and I've just not gotten out of the uh uh, what is it, the Delanza soul that I'm in, and I'm just, like, in space, like, freezing to death, and that's just gonna be grim. Like, I thought it, I, I actually thought it was gonna be way grimmer than it turned out to be. That, that's where my brain went, just because I was like, oh, yeah, it's Gundam, we're gonna go full Gundam, huh? So, yeah, I, I think, like, and I, I really was, like, I, again, I didn't think, I thought I may have been dead, I thought, like, nothing was gonna happen. When episode three came out, uh, which is the episode where Guel comes back, and he's, like, a captive on Earth, I was like, well, I was like, hell yeah. Because as an actor, I'm like, yes, it's fantastic, perfect. My, I, I was joking with my fiance because she, because I was like, the happiest thing that could happen to Guel, that it, that uh, also non zero possibility is he just, after season one, he just goes and like starts a farm on Earth. Like he just drops out of the story, lives very far away from anything happening within it. I was like, that's probably the happiest thing that can happen for Guel is for him to stop being in the Gundam story. And I was like, but I don't want that because I'm playing him. I'm the actor. I want stuff to do, which means I need him to be in more pain. So I'm like, <laughs> my, my interests in Guel's are counter to each other. Yeah. Uh, was, was how I explained it to her. And she was like, you were an enemy of Guel Jedrick. I was like, that's right. <laughs> so that, <laughs> that's where my head was at. Okay, where is he? Where is he? He's on Earth. Okay, okay, where is he? He's a war criminal and a prisoner. Woohoo! <laughs> yes, exactly. I was like, hell yeah, let's let's do. When I when I saw in the next in like the next to next to last episode when he was going out to Lauda, I'm like, oh, I'm dead. I'm dead. Next episode, hell yeah, let's do this. Double fratricide. Let's go. Yeah, I was like, yeah, let's end this horrible cycle of violence with Lauda killing me. That's what I figured was probably going to happen. And I found it, like, I did find it so funny that they, they do that as close as possible before Felsi's like, this is stupid, you're not doing that. Men would literally die to just go to therapy. Yep, yep, men would rather okay. die than go to therapy. I'm going to ask this question as you as the anime fan, less of the actor. Sure. The end was a little bit controversial to people. Not so much that it was bad, is that it ended too soon. This is, I understand that every show is supposed to leave you wanting more, but this is one of those rare times where a Gundam show ends and they're like, well, is that it? What? It seemed like an odd step off. I don't know if this is like pre post pandemic and they're like, okay, um, things are happening. We need to wrap up the show quickly. Or maybe they said, okay, we're going to have this show at this many episodes, no matter what happens. It was an astounding success, so I was 100% convinced, now we're getting to season three, we're not done. And when it ended, I was a little surprised. Were you? Um, so, there's, so there's a number of factors at play here. Um, first of all, uh, you know, sales figures, the, the amount of time it takes to animate something like that, we can presume that the decision to have it be as long as it did was at least like a year beforehand. They did not know most likely they did not know in the hiatus time how much uh like like they did not know um uh, sorry not in the hiatus time in the time between uh season one and season two they were probably just putting finishing touches on season two uh what was most likely true was everything was written beforehand uh at least by like two or three years uh, and then it was all animated and it figured out then so most likely that decision was made and they may not have known that it would sell as well as it did so that's one thought um, the second thought that I would have is, uh, thinking about the story that they're telling, like, I do think it's odd that we just leave, like, the Earth stuff sort of aside. Like, we know that, um, the Benerit group is just gone now, like, they've dissolved it, and they're sort of kind of giving it back to the, um, you know, the people of the Earth, and that's being, like, distributed in a very, uh, I guess, um, for, for comparison, if you guys are familiar with the anime Planetess or Planets, however you want to say it, like the ending of that show where they renegotiate with the terrorists or whatever. Um, so they're, they're doing that. Uh, and I guess that, um, you know, there'd probably be a lot more work to get that result. Uh, but that 
wasn't what they wanted to include. So maybe they wanted to leave that open for uh, like another show or an, or a movie or something. But um, as a fan, uh, I felt like this is something that um, exists within a very specific space. And um, uh, yeah, I'll talk about this about as frankly as I can. Um, there is, I'm not putting blame on anyone specific whenever I say this. Um, there is a tendency with queer media, which, which for Mercury is, it's, it's leads are two women in a relationship. Uh, there is a tendency to, whenever a show does that, when it pulls that time type of thing to either like kill them, uh, which often happens in there. And then you don't have to deal with the like sort of nature of that relationship to kill them, to, uh, break them up, uh, to have, have it be like this, like sort of lost in translation thing where they, they don't end up in a relationship and maybe one of them ends up with a dude or it ends like, uh, or if they stick to it, uh, the show gets canceled because then it's like, well, if you do this, then we're not making any more. Um, and, uh, that, that famously happened with like Steven universe where like the show was supposed to have like a lot more time and the network was like, well, if you're going to insist on this gay wedding thing, then, you know, we're not going to give you that much. Uh, and Given that Bandai Namco seems to be very, uh, uh, shall we say, hesitant in a corporate sense for policy about the queer relationship in Witch for Mercury, uh, that is entirely possible that that's what happened. Uh, and as a final thought, um, I do know that the writer from Witch for Mercury is also the writer from Code Geass, which if you're familiar with Code Geass, the second season of that also condensed a lot really, really fast in ways that... Uh, weren't necessarily like what someone may call satisfying and it might just be that's just that writer's style of yeah, yeah, yeah let's get all this done like right now and we're done uh so all of that is a possibility i can't say because i don't have any like insider knowledge with uh japan but um as a fan i i just kind of have to keep all that in mind i'm kind of bummed uh if we don't get any more both as a fan as, and as an actor i'd love more i don't know what they'd really do per se i don't know i don't know if they pull a gundam double o and just have it be the like, all right, now aliens attack, uh, and like just a movie where it's just aliens. We just do a full hey, gunbuster. At, at the at, at the end of Gundam Wing, they said at the end of Endless Waltz, and then all the Gundams were never seen again. So ah, oh, no more sequels. And then they made a sequel anyway. Yeah, so we yeah, can do they, that because they because they added the line at the end. No more gun Gundams were never seen again. Dot 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 on Earth, Mars, on however. Earth. <laughs> there you go. Um, I, I think, you know, that would be really cool. I'd again, I'd love it. I'd love, I'd love it if I got to come back as Guel and like, I don't know, impale an alien ship or something. Yeah. <laughs> whatever happens, I'd, I'd love it. I, I'd love to do that. Um, and, and I don't know, they have, fighting the aliens, we, it, we, uh, what's the movie? We Independence Day in, in Witch from Mercury, yeah. our way to like world peace. I, uh, I just had a mental works. image of Guel punching an alien and going, welcome to Earth. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he pulls him out like he's Will Smith. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, no, that's that would be awesome. But yeah, so, the, that was a cigar. Now that was a close encounter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, all right. So I actually want to dial it back to suffering, and there's one scene I want to ask you about in particular. Sure. So sure. so while while Guel is in, in a terrorist prison camp, there's there's a scene where you get your character gets force fed. How do you oh, do yeah, that yeah. in the booth? Because I know how, because I know the trick to like, oh, I'm choking on my own blood is to gargle jello. What do you do when you're being force fed? So a lot of that's in what's called the MNE, which yeah. I believe stands for Mal God, music and effects uh, track. Ah. Um, so what? So a lot of like the squishing sounds, a lot of like jelly sounds like that you hear in that, those were sound effects. The only sounds that I produce were like that, that sort of thing in there. And that's just like, throat it's stuff. easier. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, it's a lot of throat stuff, a lot of in your mouth. Um, uh, at one point, uh, and, and you, you could do stuff where you play with like your cheeks. So it creates a very specific sound. I, I had to play a, um, I had to play a, uh, I think I'm able to talk about this. Uh, in a project that I won't allude to specifically because I'm not sure if I can talk about whether or not I played this person in this thing because I'm not sure if it's out yet. I had to play a fish person and what they wanted was like a fish language where you have to put it in the back of your mouth and you talk the entire time as though you're gargling water right in here. So I'm used to this idea of like placing air sort of in different parts of your 
mouth and and your throat and you're like crying and then having the food stuffed in like you, you it makes it easier to sort of produce that sound if you see someone like um d bradley baker he's a master of doing that type of thing and that's a good like uh master class of being able to do that so that's how we did that in there was me just being like i'm holding my face and like rubbing my like throat trying to produce these sounds to go along with it and when you're practicing that your fiance looks across the room and wonders if you're okay (laughs) (laughs) she knows she knows not to worry about me anymore i scream bloody murder in here and she's like yeah whatever i could get killed in here it's a good it, it would be like a perfect alibi is just you'd You'd hear a scream in here, and they'd be like, "Ah, that's just him recording something." And then they he, would be able to play. He's just doing efforts for a game. It'll be he'll he'll be yeah, out exactly. in four hours. Exactly. I I had to do um uh effort. I FPSs are the worst for this. I had to do like a million like d- screaming while I'm getting lit on fire, screaming while I'm getting electrocuted to death, screaming while I'm <laughs> getting blown up. Uh, for uh, what was it? Trepang two. Trepang two. I had to do a bunch of NPCs, and I died like. 50 different ways or something like that someone see here's the thing i i've met people who write for these these exact same scenarios it's like no you have to write that you just have to sit down and write yeah. like someone has to say like okay uh i need 40 you know get stabbed get shot you know 52 get shot you know shot in the leg versus shot yep. in the arm um yep yeah i, I need yeah, 14 need, the green team is winning speeches i don't know like figure it out yeah you need if, if you want an ice weapon in your game you have to have the uh sound of someone getting frozen for if you want a fire weapon you have to have the sound of them catching on fire uh you know if you if you if you want someone getting eaten by a thousand insects or something in your game as like a weapon then you gotta have uh you know efforts for that too so. bees. <laughs> Yeah, covered in bees. If you want someone covered in bees, you gotta you gotta write what that sounds like. So you, you have to perform that. So you gotta be able to be used to it. So yeah, the suffering scene in 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 the booth. With, well, in the, in the I think it was a bathroom stall with Guel where he's getting force fed. Yeah, that that's that's how he did that. You just have to be ready to do that kind of thing. All right. So uh, so in season two, uh, the fan reaction to Guel was so really strong. He was the most popular male character in any anime in, in the spring. Yeah. <laughs> Has has that turned into like a lot of profile? Has that boosted you at all, or is it is it mostly, or you won't know for another six months? I probably won't know. Well, I won't know for another six months for sure. Uh, like no matter what, um, just because that's the nature of how this works. I can tell you right now, uh, it's funny. I mean, I think it's important as a dub actor, unless the show is airing on like Toonami, which is like big culture, or unless it's on like Netflix, which like everybody has. Uh, I think it's the safest approach to any role is love it while you do it. Don't uh, expect people to watch the dub because I, I, I had a specific case of this too. Uh, I don't know if either of you watch like sports anime, but I'm in an anime called Blue Lock. Um, and Blue Lock is like the this big uh, famous soccer anime. And I, I play the like Juve Audio, the most fabulous soccer player. And uh, I remember I was at um, my friend William Afobu's house or, or his apartment. And he had a guy over, like, assembling, like, uh, I think some furniture for him for, like, a, a housewarming thing. And he just calls me and he's like, Brad, get in, get in. And I'm like, oh, okay. I, I get up from, like, wh- whatever I'm doing. I, I go in. And he presents me to this guy. And he goes, do your, he, William looks at me and goes, do your audio. And then I do, like, a line. And the guy looks at me and goes, uh, I, I, I watch the sub. <laughs> I'm just like, yep, that's right. And I just walk away. Because it's like, that's, that's what you're going to run into. Uh, <laughs> So I, I love I love uh, all the feedback that Guel gets, but like it is disconnected from me. Like a lot of the a lot of the love is for like the Japanese, which is fine by me. Like he the Japanese voice for Guel is spectacular. I I I I enjoy being able to sort of ride the proverbial coattails of that, uh, even if it's not specifically for me. I have gotten nothing but positive feedback from people who have watched the dub, which I really appreciate. Uh, but uh, a, a lot of like that, I think, is. Primarily for like sub fans. Is Guel your favorite role to date, released in voice acting? <laughs> I feel I, I'm I'm going to have to give you the generic answer of I love all my children equally. Like I I, I love uh, every every character I played. Uh, I can't nice think of one. Out, I, nice I, <laughs> I, I wish I could pull the Arrested Development. I do not care for jo- Job, but uh, I can't think of one that I hate. Um, but. Uh, no, like, Guel was incredibly meaningful to me. I mean, 
this last like year and a half has been like some of the most like rewarding work I've ever gotten to do. Like within the last year and a half, I got to do coach from Gunbuster. Absolute classic, like yeah, like that getting redubbed is huge, and like seeing the young talent on the Gunbuster dub is amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it was so it was so like rewarding because like I, I I loved doing that um, because Evangelion meant so much to me. Evangelion kind of got me through my teenage years, and like knowing Anno also suffered with depression was like so meaningful to me um and getting to see that was just it was incredible stuff uh like digimon which i got to announce where i i get to stand in you know very sadly uh for the actors for like graymon metal graymon uh, anjumon and seraphimon like that's incredible stuff um guel obviously uh the, the, my, hikage shinomori and my hero academia i get to be in like my hero academia I've, i'm very i'm very lucky i'm very uh Dare I say blessed uh, by by the amount of opportunities I've gotten to play, uh, but I do want to emphasize that Guel holds a very special place in my heart, uh, very very close to me for that, um, because I I think I, I'll at least uh, say this, which is that I think there are a lot of stories. Um, I'm going to use, like, the recent Voltron show as an example, uh, where someone experiencing abuse just ends up sort of copying their parent. Just, uh, and the way that Guel deals with, like, Vim Jetter being, like, this abusive jerk, uh, I, I think Shadik says, like, all he cared about was, like, corporate intrigue and, like, enriching himself, and by, by the time, uh, you know, we see him in Witch for Mercury, that seems to be true. They released all those, like, flashback images after Vim was dead between season one and two, where it seems like at one point he may have been a much better dad. Um, but we don't see that, we just see, we just see the, the bad times, and I think that, um, I really appreciated getting to sort of go on the journey of this guy that uh, it doesn't know what he wants, um, is dealing with that level of like abuse and then having to sort of deal with that, like ongoing legacy of like, uh, the, the, you know, the crappiness of what like the Jetter company was doing and how, how his dad treated other people and just, you know, not moving on from being like a bully to being someone that really tries to, even in the case of getting shut down by a girl, he doesn't, doesn't turn into like an anime nightmare villain where he's like, I will make you fall in love with me. He's just like, yep, that's fine. It's okay. I'm basically in your corner forever now. That's, yeah. that's how it's going to go. Uh, and that's, um, I, you know, I, I really appreciate that. I think, um, I, I love that about Guel. I loved playing Guel for that. Uh, I, I appreciated being able to take part in a story of someone sort of overcoming that uh, state of like being, you know, outwardly abusive because uh, he was experiencing abuse. That that meant a lot to me, and um, that always will. So that's that's my relationship with Guel. I'm, I'm going to throw a very nerdy question at you just because I want to see your reaction. Sure. Let's let's pretend they redub Evangelion. Again. Okay. Let's Again, pretend yeah, they come yeah, to you. A third time. A third yeah. time. Yeah. Let's pretend they come to you and say, okay, who do you want to voice? Is it Shinji? My voice is a little low for Shinji. Like I here here's <laughs> they know <laughs> I, I, I wish that I that I had level of voiceover clout to be like well, for one thing, if anyone ever approached me and said, like, hey, we're doing this show, who do you want to be? My first response is, did you, did you, did you get the license? Are you, are you just doing this? Um, is this just like, yeah, yeah, we're dubbing it again. We're doing it in my garage. I, we're going to, we're going to yeah. sell the DVDs at Walmart. <laughs> the anime uh, event like, Surrey <laughs> deal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, uh, <laughs> my, well, the reason I, I, I ask expert. is, the reason I ask is if I ever got, for whatever reason, said, hey, we want you to write a show. Oh, cool. We want you to write a Gundam show. I'm like, I can't do that. I'm yeah. too close to it. I just That's know. Fair. I'm a fan of it. I can't be that close to something I'm a fan of. I wouldn't be able to separate myself from my fandom. And that's that's I think a fair fair thought. I, I think I'd be very intimidated specifically because of that. Um there, there's a genuine issue, I think, whenever you're a fan of something where uh, you have a specific idea of what it's supposed to sound like or, or how it's supposed to be written, 
where you if if you were supposed to come up with something new then you might just end up imitating the style of the old one for that reason like if you were to put a gun to my head and say what character would you be cast as in Evangelion if you thought it would be a good casting that would be like solid all the way through I'd probably say Kaji uh, Ryoji Kaji because that's the closest to my normal range uh I don't think I sound old enough for like Futsuki uh, or Gendo. Um, I sound a little too old probably for Shinji. Uh, I, Cal, you, you could argue that Kaori might need to be played by a gay or non-binary actor. Um, you, you, and also probably a higher pitched one than me. Uh, and then uh, outside of that, I mean, like, what do I say? Pen Pen? <laughs> like, well, I mean, Pen Pen, I think everyone should get, I think Pen Pen's the first choice for everyone. I mean, everybody and, loves Pen Pen. That's right. Throw it all on Pen Pen. Um, and I mean, I mean, uh, wouldn't it be great to be the seventh Toji? The seventh. Yeah, yeah. I I love. I I mean, like, I'll say I'll say for Toji, like, uh, no, nothing against nothing against Brett Weaver because I do think he does a good Toji. I loved uh, Justin Cook as Toji. I think that really worked. Um, and I do I do like uh, just being just being really nerdy. I like that in some spinoff manga, specifically, I think it's Campus Apocalypse. That they gave Toji like the hard Osaka Brooklyn accent that they gave to like Joey Wheeler and the Yu-Gi-Oh dub. I would I would be delighted. Like if they cast me as Toji and said, You gotta do it like this, like you have to do it with the Brooklyn accent the whole time, where it's like, I had to punch your transfer student, you hurt my sister. Like I do that in a heartbeat. I'd be like, all right. I got the Brooklyn rage against the angels. Yeah, exactly. Like if I if I could do that, that'd be that'd be spectacular. I'll say that on a on a personal note, like whenever I I was a teenager. I was like, I think I realized, like, I had I had this moment of clarity with Ava, where I was like, I think the character I'm probably closest to, uh, and I don't know how much of this is like deliberate on Anna's part for like the audience is Kensuke, because Kensuke is the guy that's like, oh, I want to, I would love to be in an Evangelion. I would love to be a pilot. That'd be great. I wish I was getting this attention from all these girls that you hate, Shinji. God, I wish I were you so badly. And he's just like out there in the field, like playing, like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and and like he's bas- they they basically have the exact same character in Full Metal Panic. I think I think he's also named Kensuke. That's incredible. I I love that. I, yeah, yeah no, and so he, like- he gets to have superpowers <laughs> in Fumafu. He he gets a new type flash and seed mode and everything in Fumafu. But that's nice. I find it so funny that they let Kensuke pilot like occasionally in spinoff materials as well, and he's just he's he's the biggest dork ever about it. <laughs> But yeah, no, like anything, anything Evangelion. All this is, you could cast me as anything in Evangelion. I'd be like, yes, absolutely. If, if they dub it for whatever time. I'd feel bad. Well, I, I'd probably reach out to like whoever played him previous to be like, hey man, just so you know, they're, they're asking me about it because that's like courtesy. Like yeah. it's, it's considered, I think, like actor courtesy to be like, hey man, um, they're, they're like recasting, I think, this character. Uh, do you, is it, you know, is it cool with you? I could turn it down if it seems like they're like screwing you out of the deal because sometimes what happens is that, um, just being very real about the business here. Sometimes what happens is that they're trying to like negotiate down an actor uh, for for like a a character role. Like this happened very famously with John DiMaggio and Bender, where like they sent well, out open auditions for Bender to try to be like, well, no, we're not going to raise your pay. Uh, we could just get you know this random well, guy that we found that can do. E- the even before that, even before that, back in the '90s, I think around season four or five of The Simpsons, they almost recast. Um, they almost re- recast Hank, uh, and they, they like they they were Hank Azaria, and like Maurice Lamarche was the guy they reached out to first, and Maurice was like, "I don't take work from anyone who is alive." Yeah, that's that, like, that's he, the right response because he, I think that's, he, that's right. He he did do like he only took Mister Freeze in the Arkham games because at that point, um, uh, the uh, I'm. I'm blanking on the name of the uh, guy who originated Mr. Freeze in the animated series. Uh, he was very I'm sick so at the time. He was he was very sick at the time, and he made a point of calling. It's like I know you're very sick and probably turned this down, but like absolutely certain you don't want to be back for Mr. Freeze. And he said, "Yeah, no, it's fine." And that, yeah, I yeah that that makes sense. I'll I'll say as well for me, like I even in that scenario, like. I got cast as in the Digimon thing, like I alluded to before, because the uh, couple of the actors um, had passed away, and one of them, Dave Mallow, who played Anjuman and Serafimon, he is very sick, um, and he can't really come back for the role. Uh, I, 
I don't feel comfortable. Like I was fine with like announcing it and saying that it meant a lot to me. I don't feel comfortable. Like I'm not going to get like prints. I'm not going to get like, I'm not going to go around being like, huh, you know, I'm in the Digimon thing as the, these characters. Cause I just, it's, it's not mine. Like it doesn't feel like it's mine. Uh, and I don't want to sort of trample on other people's work. Uh, that feels really uncomfortable. So that's, I, I feel like it's, it's the most respectful way to go about it is for me to just be like, yes, I tried to live up to it as much as I could. So I, I probably also do that with Evangelion, even if they reached out to me, just be like, I just want to be as respectful to whoever had this last because holy crap, they keep redubbing that over and over again. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think this show is about to turn into a pumpkin, but there's a goof. Uh, so someone, when I, when I brought this up on, on the social, someone said, Oh, ask him to sing this song. And I'm like, I'm not going to ask him to sing it on the spot, but I want to play this bit of audio from uh, Yohei Asakami's podcast. He's a podcaster. He also talks about uh, Witcher uh, Mercury okay. week to week. But he, he cooked this up uh, one week. And maybe you have to figure out how to sing this on your own, on your own time. But uh, let's see if I've got this queued up right. Sure. Oh. <laughs> They asked him to do that as like the 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 answer to like the advertisement for uh was a gundarm. <laughs> like I think he like again, this is this apparently this whole podcast is him operating on his own. Like he did he's just like, no, I will come up with a song to the gundarm jingle. <laughs> yeah, 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 that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd have to figure that out on my own. I, 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 I don't, I'll bet I get to see that I don't speak Japanese, so I'm like, I don't know what he's saying. Yeah, I, I'm like, I, I can catch a couple of things, but no, uh, no idea. Yeah, I did not want to put you on this on the spot to sing that, but someone said, "Oh no, let, let him hear this and see how it reacts." I mean, it's incredible. It's awesome. If they told me to do that, or if someone sent me like the lyrics. Uh, I'd, I'd try. I'd try to adapt. Like, if they sent me, like, a translation, I could try to adapt that into something. Yeah. All right. Jeff, last one. Last one. we got to close this up, right? There, there's a good way to end this because that would be the weirdest thing. To wrap this up for what you started, I said one of the first shows you ever uh, dubbed was not adult. It could have been, but it was not. What is the strangest thing you can ever remember voicing Game, anime, live action, play, something where you just look back and go, you want me to do what? <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm not going to lie to you. I'm looking at my resume right now. I'm trying to remember what I've done. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. I can, I can tell you about one of the strangest, uh, <sighs> Yeah, you know, I'll tell you about one of the strangest experiences I had. Um, uh, and I, I do want to emphasize when, whenever I say this, uh, the people the people that did this were very, very nice. Uh, but uh, whenever I had first moved down to Dallas, I was, like, not sure how to get work, basically. Like, I, I wasn't sure how to do, like, the dubbing thing. Um, I, I had ideas. I, I, I had, like, classes. I was doing all that. But I was like, well, let's figure out what other acting I can do here. So... I'm in a class, and then I get recommended to go to this other live-action dubbing studio that I will not name. Um, uh, it's a live-action dubbing studio, and the way that you get into this live-action dubbing studio is uh, you, you just email the guy that owns it, which is very unusual. That's, that's not usually how it's done. So just send him a reel, like you don't send auditions or anything, and what will happen is they'll just sort of call you in, like clandestinely, and it, it can happen in like the middle of the night. Uh, they'll be like, hey, can you show up to our building? uh for like a few hours and it's like cool sure and i remember i i got cast in this one thing uh it was a chinese movie or it may have been mongolian um it was about a monster snake uh but it was also people it was like a meta movie because it was like it was people are making a movie about like a fake monster snake and then they encounter a real monster snake and it like kills most of them um but the way that I that I find this out uh, is um, I go in and um, uh, 
I go to the building and I don't think I'm at the right building at first because it looks like the building is condemned. Uh, there's like blacked out, like moth eaten tarp over the glass door. And, and, and the guy, the engineer like sort of pokes it. Like when I have to like, attack, I like message and I send an email cause I'm like, uh, what, what do I do here? And then, and I immediately pokes it and he's like, welcome. The building is dark, by the way, this engineer has been sitting in the dark in this, in this like building. And he he lets me in into, into this like weird lobby where there's very little light. Like it, I don't know if they just couldn't afford to keep the lights on. Um, and we get brought into this like normally. So normally, what happens uh, with live recording is you get brought into a booth where there's like a little glass like separating you and the and the director and the engineer. I get brought into a room where there's just like a big projector and there's like a computer in the back and there's just a mic sitting in front. So there's no glass. I ask him, like, yeah, you know, I, I'm not sure if he's the engineer or the director. And he goes, oh, I'm both. We're doing both. Uh, and I go, okay. Um, I goes, all right, so we're going to do this movie today. It's about this monster snake. And, you know, it's a Chinese or Mongolian movie. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Uh, and then I'm like, well, um, okay, so uh, what's this? Uh, let's, uh, let's pull up the script. And he was like, oh, there's no script. So I'm like, oh, there's no there's no script, and it's like, nope, we're just reading the subtitles. Um, <laughs> so we're just reading the subtitles, and I, I play the main, like, director in, in the movie, and I remember I was like, there would be many times where I go, that doesn't, that doesn't sound right, and he would be like, that's the flaps well enough, we're going, we're going forward, we don't have time, we don't have time to, like, worry about how it works, and sometimes it'd be like, are we addressing the same person? Like, is that name correct? He'd be like, oh, whatever, just move on. And I remember, like, for, for one thing, by the way, the options for getting paid here. Normally, you get paid. I'm not. I'm at least going to say it's better than, like, this. Uh, I'm not going to go into specific pay rates. Um, but I will tell you that this is the lowest one that I've seen, where the offer was $11 an hour or uh, for a full day's work or $50 and we'll buy you lunch. <laughs> so, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, I chose the $50 option because I was like, oh, I'm going to be here like six hours. I don't want to buy lunch. So it's just me and this and the director engineer. So we, we finished recording the main character. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I'm done, right? And he's like, no, you're going to be like three other like main characters in this movie. And I'm like, I haven't been given any sides. I haven't been given any notes. I haven't been given pictures. I have no idea what they're supposed to say. I gotta know what their characters are. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm, I guess I'm like three other characters in this movie. We get, we go, we break for lunch, and it's just me and him. Well, we go out to Olive Garden, and he's like, yeah, a bunch of people come through here, and then they just stop doing this here. And I was like, yeah, that's fair. And he's like, yeah, this is probably the best job I've had. And I'm like, that's fair. <laughs> and it's this dimly lit little like black box studio and we just sit in the middle like under this spotlight just eating like like like, like there could be like an audience there just watching us eat food and he's just like yeah this is you know this is great this is my one meal i get to eat every day so he's like, like, I eat one meal a day. And I'm like, man, I hope you're doing all right. In my head, I'm like, I hope, you know, you, can you eat more than that? He's like, no, no, it's fine. I'm, so I'm, I guess it's really good that we did this lunch option then. <laughs> oh, if you had to pick lunch and he just left for like half an hour to pick up the fettuccine Alfredo. I don't know. I don't know what would have happened. I don't know if you'd been like, yeah, I just had to wait until I got home. Uh, so then we, we go back in and I record like another guy and I'm like, I don't know. This kind of sounds like the same voice. And he's like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And then and I record another guy. I remember I, I add in one joke. I, I think I think like because the actor's complaining, there's like some untranslatable Chinese thing that or Mongolian thing that he says about like the snake. And then I think I made the joke: is the snake getting union rates? And he was like, "Yep, we're, yep, we'll put that in. That fits the flaps." Uh, so then, then we do that and we we leave. And I I, I just remember being like walking out. And he was like, "Yep, you're done. All right." Uh, and maybe we'll, we might call you back for like another Russian movie or, or another <laughs> Mongolian movie. I, 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 and, uh, I left and I remember it was like a year and a half until it got released on DVD 
meat, and it was exclusively at like Walmart, and that was the only place you could get it. So again, bringing back the anime monster thing, I'm like, I don't. Even, do you have the license for these? Did you? <laughs> it was the strangest experience. I, I I genuinely I came out of that like, did I did I get like did I get like you know did I get fed like a pill? Did that happen? I I had to confirm later. <laughs> I still am not totally sure it happened. Drive right, right past that shed and see if it's still there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I drive past it, will, it will, will someone go, no, no one's been in that building for years. Um, <laughs> by the way, the postscript to all of this is I, I remember being on stage at a panel recently at a con, and I talked to the lady who had told me about that studio, and I brought up that I was getting $11 an hour or $50 in lunch, and she looked at me and went, I got $50 an hour. I just I just stared at the audience like Jim from the office just You didn't get Olive Garden. <laughs> you didn't get Olive Garden. That's true. That is that is how that works. All right. So we gotta spin this down. Brad, where do people find you on the internet? Sure. You can find me at anime underscore brother on Twitter for as long as Twitter continues to exist. Um at Bradley Gareth voice actor on Instagram. You can also check out my website, bradleygarethvo.com. All right. So uh, thank you once again. Thanks for everyone in the chat. Thanks for you uh, hanging out. If, if you're catching this on the audio version later, thank you. Uh, leave a rating, rating, leave a comment, leave a review, tell a friend, do something. And the other thing you should do is go to redstuff.com and get yourself a high-grade uh, Delanza Ghoul Custom because they still have it in stock still have it in stock. It comes in a lovely shade of purple. comes with all the accessories you would want, including an action base and the feather thing. And <laughs> otherwise, uh, use the link in the description so they know I sent you and they can send me some nickels for that. Uh, thank you all. Have a lovely time. Thank you. You've been listening to the audio version of the recap from Mercury. It's also available live on Jabman025's YouTube channel. Feel free to join us on any of our recordings in the chat. Otherwise, I'd thank you to leave a rating, a comment, or a review wherever you found it. Share it if you'd like as well. The music in this episode is by Punk Rock Opera. Check them out on Bandcamp. Until next time, have a good one.